1: or be harmful to your reputation. Are your social media posts just links with a few disjointed words making you look like someone who can't complete a sentence? Did your new website cost you more than you anticipated? Are you leaking your personal contact details across the web without even knowing it? Then you need Hidden Traps. Although Hidden Traps is not officially released until August 1st, you can pre-order your paperback or ebook copy now from a variety of retailers, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. Visit BlackWolfPublications.com for more details.
0: Here's George Foreman with InventHelp. Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. Call InventHelp today for free information. InventHelp has been helping inventors for more than 30 years and has sales offices nationwide. InventHelp can submit your invention to companies who are interested in receiving new Ideas. If you have an idea and want to try to patent it and submit it to companies, you should call Invent Help today for free information. Listen, I can't guarantee a company will be interested in your idea, but I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put Invent Help in your corner. To
2: get your free inventor's information. Call 1 800 353 6490. That's 1 800 353 6490. Again, 1 800 353 6490. KLRN Radio has
1: advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com.
2: This
3: is Slickery Trigger for Rebel Road Tactical. With proper care and feeding, your pistol will be ready when you need it, there to save your life. Shouldn't your gear be that good? Whether you need a holster for comfortable, everyday carry, or a tough-as-nails holster for your next training course, Rebel Road Tactical has what you need. Check us out on the web
2: at rebelroadtactical.com.
0: call the USA and fly our flag, Cause we're proud and free, we're Americans Red, white, and blue is our way of life we never back down from a challenge or a fight Nature provides, God gives the rights We're Americans We fish the waters and we hunt the lands We force the steel with our own two hands With what we've got, we do the best we can We're Americans
2: This is Rio of Madison Rising, and you're listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign.
3: It's time now for the conservative curmudgeon radio show. Now, here's Grouchy.
2: Good evening, everybody. Welcome back. It is Wednesday night. So glad to be with you again after taking a little break for the Independence Day celebration. We got a very special show lined up tonight. We have special guests with us live. Uh, We have Southern Keeks on Twitter, Miss Kimberly Ross, and we have Patriot Musket. You might know him as Nick. They are both with us tonight. We are going to do a full hour on pro-life, the movement, what it means, and where it's going, and what it needs. We're going to cover a lot about pro-life tonight, so do yourself a favor, stay where you are uh some of you might have noticed i didn't break the glass tonight that's because i got a little something special for you just in honor of this show we're not going to break glass tonight we're going to do this ah! it's a beautiful sound life is worth fighting for folks and we're going to go ahead and bring our guests on right now kim you there
4: i am here thank you so much for having me and excited about the show
2: tonight absolutely it is an honor to have you here again and nick are you there i am here
3: grouchy thank you very much for having us both
2: Uh, outstanding sir glad you are also here um nick i'm gonna put us in the back seat for a minute or two um kim recently attended a pro-life conference uh in florida and uh I want to start the show off talking about this conference so i'm going to kind of uh give the reins to kim and kim i'd love for you to share with us what you uh were able to take in at the conference if you know uh just tell us all about it what was there to learn what should what did you take from it
4: sure um and again thanks for having me this is probably the issue i'm most passionate about in my writing and everything so i I appreciate the chance to talk about it more Um, Yeah, the um, conference I attended was the second annual pro-life women's conference, and it was in Orlando this year. They started out having it for the first time last year, and it was in Dallas, and next year it will be in St. Louis, uh, and what they're doing is having the pro-life conference in cities which have the highest abortion rates in the country, Um, and Dallas is pretty high, and Orlando, like it was this year, is also pretty high, and of course, St. Louis is high as well, Um, but the pro-life conference... um, it's such a wonderful gathering of women and there's some men there of course they came with their wives and everything Um, but there was the women there who are involved in the pro-life movement who are passionate about it some have had abortions themselves some are just counseling women away from abortions Uh, there's groups like um, the and then there were none group and they help women escape from the abortion industry women who work for Plain Parenthood or other, other private abortionists. Um, there was a group called Feminists for Life there, which is, a, of course, a feminist group who's very involved in the pro-life issues. There was the Gay and Lesbian Alliance for Life. Um, There's Democrats for Life. Uh, there's just so many groups there. And I was really encouraged by the diversity that was represented uh, because, and I wrote about in a piece that I wrote at Red State after the conference. I think there's a tendency for people to believe the pro-life movement is just made up of GOP churchgoers, you know, not not filled with a lot of diversity or something, but that's definitely not the case as I saw at the conference. Um, and it was just a great three-day weekend of people coming together with different panels. Um, like a birth moms panel, a woman who've decided to decided not to abort and who have placed their child in an adoptive home. Uh, There was a pro-life physicians panel um, and they talked about being pro-life physicians in the decidedly pro-abort medical community. Uh, There were women who are actually involved in perinatal hospice care who they meet with um, parents who discover their child has some sort of Um, syndrome or disease and they will not live long after birth. And so they're there to take care of the parents and actually the child who lives for a few minutes or a few hours or maybe a few days and kind of helps them through the transition. So it was just a wonderful weekend where life was promoted and supported and um, there was also a um, engaging the black community panel which of course the abortion rate in the black community is quite high uh, in New York City alone, there are more babies, black babies, aborted than are born, which is a horrible statistic, but it's true. Uh, so that was just basically what the weekend was all about. It was a three-day conference where we talked about how to better message the pro-life, you know, the pro-life message out to people instead of so much like in-your-face, you know, that kind of messaging. It was very much focusing on the fact that love is louder and that we can bring people to our side, and we can show that the women in these unplanned pregnancies, um, they can have hope and wholeness too, and their babies can, you know, have hope and wholeness as well, so it was, it was so encouraging, and it really inspired me um, anew to just continue fighting for life, and continue writing about it, and it it was just fantastic.
2: Well, that's outstanding, Um, so, you know, at these conferences, uh, you know, and I, uh, admittedly, I've Never attended a women's conference for life. Um, it's just it, not that it's not important, but you know, I'm probably not their target audience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, just being honest here for a minute. Um, what what should we on the outside? What should we be doing to help this cause? I mean, you know, I know that especially the quote-unquote uh, straight white male, you know, the 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 bane of privilege of this country, we're often viewed as uh, an anti-catalyst for anything other than perpetuating uh, the last 40 years of Washington, D.C.'s politics. Um, what can we do from the outside, Kim, and, and where should we be doing it?
4: Uh, well, In regards to anyone who's not attended this conference or who is on kind of the outside of the movement, um, I think it's important. And I was really encouraged and inspired to get involved in local communities because changing the how people view the unborn in America is not going to be a trickle down effect. It's not going to happen if we change laws because those won't change hearts. It's definitely a trickle up thing. And that can only happen if we get involved in local communities and get involved in local um, crisis pregnancy centers by donations or by volunteering our time. Um, or if we see a chance to help someone, a woman, single or married, who is finding herself with an unplanned pregnancy, Um, like i said donate our time or money to help her or our resources just extra extra diapers or extra clothes or something i mean that's like that's like the first kind of impact you can have on someone who's facing this Um, but as far as the men who are pro-life i think more than anything um, you should just speak up in your local communities speak up on social media because there's nothing more that the pro-abort left would love than to silence you because they talk about how men shouldn't have any say in reproductive issues, and obviously that's completely false because men are involved just as much as women, and there's no reason for you to be silent. And the left talks about how, you know, the white men they can't talk about pro abort—I mean, pro-life legislation—they can't talk about um, abortion at all, and that's just completely false. You guys have just as much of a right, and you are such an important voice. Um, in the cause and we can't we can't make an impact on society and show women that they are wanted and loved and their babies are wanted and loved if it's just the females speaking we also need the men to do that too
2: and in that vein um i want to bring nick in because nick is one of the great pro-life voices as as a white male on twitter definitely it's wonderful um you know so so nick jump in here and give us your thoughts and uh you know, share with us a little bit, man. You you've been so quiet already for fifteen minutes.
3: <laughs> I am not used to being quiet for stretches uh, of that length. Um, especially when it comes to the topic of uh the pro life movement abortion. Um yeah, just to kind of build on a couple of the things that Kim said, you know, you know, if you're looking for advice for people who are outside of the pro pro life movement, my first piece of advice is to get inside it. Um, you know one of the things it, it took me a while to figure this out as the white male and Lord knows and gee I'm sure you have uh, absorbed this too. shut up your you know you don't have a uterus what do you have to say about it uh, I have the easiest way I have found to really take ownership and stock in the pro-life movement is that day I realized that we are in the majority it is not an unpopular opinion to stand up and say it is wrong It is indefensible to do to an unborn child what is done to an unborn child uh, during an abortion procedure. And I often, uh, and Kim and I often kind of jointly cringe a little bit at at folks who will uh, uh, retweet pictures of aborted children and that sort of thing. That doesn't really work. Um, That's not really the message that helps. That sort of bludgeons people over the head um and to me it kind of puts women who are sort of making that choice in the in the shadow and we need to pull them out of the shadow like kim was talking about and say we support you we don't care how you got into this situation we are here to help you support you and guide you through this process whatever the case may be you know and to the point of uh You know, everybody in the pro-life movement being uh, a GOP churchgoer, I I just would very briefly like to tell the story of how I became pro-life. I was uh, a young, dumb 12 or 13-year-old, and I was uh, uh, at a church event. And um, I don't even know how the issue, how the topic comes up at a church event, but it did. And I said, which is the uh, easiest argument anybody ever uses, I'm completely against it, but it's none of my business. And I, did, it was because I legitimately didn't know any better. And I had a youth pastor, and I'll never forget this. He pulled me to the side and he said, he didn't yell at me. He didn't say, um, you're going to hell if you believe in that. He pulled me aside, and without showing pictures, and we didn't have YouTube back then, um, he explained to me what is done during an abortion procedure. And I was immediately appalled you know at the thought of a child physically fighting off a scalpel and i thought that's just that's just absolutely wrong and it became the end for me and ever since that day um i've known abortion was wrong and i didn't become active in it until the day that the that the switch came on that i realized that hey that is not a minority opinion it might be a minority opinion when you fall into the wrong circle on twitter because you like to troll the hashtags like somebody on this phone call likes to do. I had Code Pink (laughs) chasing me around for two weeks after a tweet (laughs) about uh, uh, pro-life causes, and it gets ugly. It gets really ugly, but it's also very helpful when you know, number one, that you're right, and number two, that lots of other people think you're right, too.
2: Yeah, and and honestly, to be fair, Nick, um, I, I wanna I wanna pass a little credit on to uh, to Kim here. I've been reading her work for uh, even well before since she ever followed me on Twitter. Um, that's because I followed her first. But um, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I just wanted to say that uh, she has actually been writing on what you were talking about and, and hinting at without actually using the words, but compassion is what we need to be showing for these women having to make this tough choice. And, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, they'll, they'll point a finger and cast aspersions and, uh, you know, that's, that's not, I don't, I don't think that's the way to go. And, uh, you know, I might have at one point when I was like what you were saying, young and dumb and didn't know better. But, um, you know, I've, uh, through, through reading, Not only Kim's work, but other works. You know, I've I've come to realize there there is a better way.
3: Absolutely, there is. um, There really is, and the key word there is compassion and effective. Being effectively compassionate, being persuasive in a way that helps people to understand that being pro-life doesn't mean shaming a woman who, for example, shaming a woman who's chosen to have an abortion in the past. Those are our strongest, most important weapons in the fight against abortion, are the women who have had an abortion in the past and who have spent their lifetime regretting it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Kim, you were going to say?
4: Sure. I, um, it was about sixteen when I got. I was about sixteen when I got pretty involved in the pro life movement and um, donating my time, essentially, at the local uh, crisis pregnancy center in the town I grew up. And definitely, at first, at that young age, I mean, when you are faced with the truth of what abortion is—that it's murder—I mean, our first reaction is anger. I mean, it really is because it's such such an innocent you know, life that can't defend itself is being targeted for merely existing and then destroyed. And of course, anger is usually our first reaction and it was mine. And so for plenty of years at the very beginning of me being involved in the movement, I was very much here are pictures of an aborted baby and how dare you support this? And it was like, we've been talking about, it was, you know, using the anger to try to reach people, but that will only serve to push others away. Uh, And that was, made very clear when I was at the pro-life conference with the birth mom panel, uh, how these women who some of them had absolutely no hope. One woman had her babies when she was incarcerated and, you know, had she been out of prison, she definitely would have chosen abortion. Um, Another girl, she, she's a black woman and she was dating a white man and his family had wanted nothing to do with a mixed baby. Um, And so her first thought was to have an abortion and shoving you know these pictures of aborted babies in their faces while that's actually true it's not effective as, as nick was saying we need to be effectively compassionate and reach out to them because if we don't re- reach out to them they're never going to make the choice for life and like nick was saying they're some of our strongest allies so it's it's a definite must
2: absolutely couldn't agree more um guys um there's there's actually some good chatter in the uh chat room right now. We've got a good group that hung around um uh you know following the last electrifying show with uh Sam and Roadbeer who are actually both in the chat room as well still uh great crowd in there people talking about um you know pro life and how uh, i'm I'm reading uh we have a member of uh the misfit politics in here uh, talking about how he grew up in the seventies and his mom was Catholic and it's just a topic that never came up. Uh, you know, and she was a single mother of three for many years and just didn't, cons- you know, probably didn't consider it necessary to address. But, um, and, and in the seventies, that probably was the mindset. Uh, um, um, you know, I don't. I don't know how old he is, but uh, it sounds like he's pretty close to my age, because uh, I grew up in the '70s as well. Uh, born in the late '60s, I turned fifty in a couple of months. Um, but you know, it wasn't wasn't something that was talked about in my house either. And and I grew up with a single mom, and um, you know, of course she only had boys, but still, I mean, it's just something you. You know, it wasn't talked about in the home much back then, and it really is a completely different, it's in a a completely different place in society's realm now versus where it was even 20 years ago, let alone 40 years ago.
3: Well, at some point over that course of time, um, the movement went from safe, legal, and rare to free, on-demand, and without apology. And I think that's what's given birth uh, more to the vocal pro-life movement, where it's come to the point now where it's almost a badge of honor. Um, I forget who it was, but there was somebody uh, on uh, some, uh, somebody running around on Twitter several weeks ago bragging about how they were the expert on abortion because they've had one. And they think everybody should, and it's a growth experience. And I just I, – I don't know how you get there. I, I don't know what triggers. I don't know what clicks in a society where you go from safe, legal, and rare to on-demand, free, and without apology.
2: I can buy that. Um, a, it takes me, uh, uh, you know, a lot of, some and people by in the, the chat way, room uh, are talking about this I was five in the and 70s Orphan and Kim wasn't passing. even born
3: yet, so we'll just take your word for it.
2: Okay. Okay. Uh. Uh, again, uh, people in the chat room talking about the bill in Oregon that the governor is so excited to uh, have coming towards her desk to sign into law. I don't know if either of you got to see that today before the show. Have you?
4: Uh, I've heard about it. I, I She did not sign it yet, correct? No,
2: no not yet. Not yet. But she uh, tweeted excited, out that dude. she is very excited that it's coming to her.
4: Yeah, and it I offered it. people to be able to have free it. abortions, including illegal immigrants.
2: Uh, that is correct, uh, and insurance companies in the state must cover without a copay. Yeah. and everyone, uh, there, there will be no time restrictions either, so we're talking third trimester here too.
4: And also sex selection abortions, if you're not yes. interested in having a girl, you can just get her killed.
2: That is correct. If you are an illegal alien in your third trimester and don't want the sex of the baby that you're about to have, you can have it killed, and she's excited about this. The governor because
4: of Oregon. She already thinks, as do many people, that there are not enough abortion rights in this country, which is insane. Because, like, uh, you know, Oregon has shown, in other places, you can get abortions well, well past the time of quote viability, uh, and you can even, I mean, it's it's eugenics. It's nothing more than that. You can choose when you want them killed, and you can choose if you're not happy with the, you know, sex of the baby, you can, you can kill them.
2: Which to me is, uh, it's a disgusting thought. Um, but even on a bigger picture, um, is, you know, and I, I hate to try, I'm not trying to conspiracy theory anything here, but does this sound like it's a page out of agenda 21? If anybody's read that?
3: I'm not familiar but, with Agenda 21.
2: No, okay. I'm not either. Okay, well, well, I'll I'll just pass on that then. Uh, basically, Agenda 21 well, look, is if you wanna, uh, a, a United if you Nations. Make, it, it's a United Nations. You want to make that
3: law in Oregon any more absurd? What you do is you put a little provision in there that also says you can have an abortion regardless of your gender identity. Which I oh. may or may not have had a little fun with uh, on Twitter before the show, but it's, wow. if you want to talk about, and, uh, one of the people in the, uh, in the chat room right now talked about this earlier, uh, Oregon, um, is going to make themselves, uh, the home of abortion tourism. And they seem to think that's the best idea ever. Wow.
2: <sighs> that's, that's so if a sick to,
3: If you want to talk about battling the absurd with the absurd, what you do is you say, hello, um, you show up at your local Planned Parenthood or Abortions Are Us or whatever they have in Oregon, and you say, uh, hello, I'm here as a man. I think I'm a woman, but I would like to have uh, my free abortion and and just see what happens, right? I mean, the, the whole concept of you can have, I mean, you could have an abortion up until you are a, a day away from delivery and just say, you know what, yeah. change my mind. I've decided I don't want this child. Um, I knew I understand I could give birth to this child and uh, uh, have it freely and happily adopted within hours, but that's not the choice I want to make. The choice I want to make is to have this child murdered inside of me. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, it's, a, it's a whole other country. It's a whole other world. It's a, it's a thought process. I don't understand. It's a thought process. I, I just can't get on board with. And it's, it's a progression of what is perceived as abortion rights from the time it was legalized until now that is really over course of history, a very short period of time has become um, something that was done very early on to now a fully formed child who in just a couple of inches would be perfectly fine.
2: Oh, uh excellent question and point by persnickety in the chat room uh i wonder if macron will offer french cash support for a law like this in africa sounds like his kind of thing
4: it does sound like his kind of thing
2: wow yeah it really does um that wow what a scary thought to i mean basically i could see. I can see France and even Canada getting involved with this, they'll probably start offering cash incentives.
3: Sure they will, sure they will. Look at uh, Jill, uh, what's her name, whose last name I can't pronounce, who Filipovic? flat out said oh. today,
2: fewer, yeah, you have fewer children, there should
3: be fewer children because it's better for the environment. Right. So, yeah, yeah, and when Nick, you, you made a great point on Twitter today when you said and radical environmentalism, pro-abortion and feminism, yeah. what do you have? You have taxpayer-funded climate change combat is what you have.
2: Yeah, well, there you go. Now, on that note, we do have to take a quick commercial break. Uh, when we come back, we are going to continue this discussion uh you know feel free to fire your questions in the chat room uh i'm I'm going to acknowledge as many of you as i can and we'll address them as we can also so do yourself a favor stay tuned we still got another half a show to go
0: Here's George Foreman with InventHelp. Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions I'll tell you like I'll tell them all? Call my friends at InventHelp. Call InventHelp today for free information. InventHelp has been helping inventors for more than 30 years and has sales offices nationwide. InventHelp can submit your invention to companies who are interested in receiving new ideas. If you have an idea and want to try to patent it and submit it to companies, you should call InventHelp today for free information. Listen, I can't guarantee a company will be interested in your idea, but I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner.
2: get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-353-6490. That's 1-800-353-6490. Again, 1-800-353-6490.
1: or be harmful to your reputation. Are your social media posts just linked with a few disjointed words, making you look like someone who can't complete a sentence? Did your new website cost you more than you anticipated? Are you leaking your personal contact details across the web without even knowing it? Then you need hidden traps. Although hidden traps is not officially released until August 1st, you can pre-order your paperback or ebook copy now from a variety of retailers, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. Visit blackwolfpublications.com for more details. Six
0: eighty seven. Oh would ain't that America? For you and me. Ain't that America? Something to see, baby. Ain't that America? Hold on a free.
2: Yeah. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh we were just having a a, a little bit of spirited discussion during the break. Um Kim. I do. I definitely want to hear about this uh, this remarkable woman and her remarkable child that you were just telling Nick and I about during the break. Please do so. Sure.
4: Yes, yeah, she was the first speaker at the uh, pro life conference, and her name is Lacey Buchanan. And her and her uh, husband Chris have two sons, uh, Christian and Chandler. And her first son was Christian, um, and she. When she was pregnant with him they went in for the regular like 20-week ultrasound you know to check the gender and everything and they found out that christian had some severe deformities um including cleft um, lip and palate and some other issues um, but one thing that he had which quite obviously devastating was he his eyes were not forming and he was not going to be born with eyes he has kind of he's actually kind of cleft I don't know formations where his eyes should be Uh, and he I think he was born you know regularly healthy other than those issues but um, she was told by doctors to abort you know because he would not have you know quote normalcy quality of life that we're all you know expecting babies should have um, Uh. unfortunately but she was they were told to abort and they obviously didn't Um, and she spoke at the conference about how she was you know so grieved by the fact that people were pushing abortion before he was born but also completely disturbed by the fact that after he was born she would actually take him out in public and people could see him um and more than one person more than one person you know asked her why she didn't abort her child because he's blind and he will never you know have a quote normal life um and here is this child he's healthy and happy and he obviously, you know, has issues and needs help, but he doesn't have any less of a wonderful life or his life isn't worth any less just because he doesn't look like the rest of us or because he has to go through life a little bit differently and needs assistance. Um, and she actually brought Christian up on stage and he oh, it was so moving because he spoke into the microphone and said hello to all of us. And we, of course, most of us are sitting there with tears in our eyes, but one of <laughs> The most beautiful moments and this was at the start of the conference and i was already like tearing up because i'm kind of a softy like that but he said i love my mom into the microphone and that it was so touching because she before he was before he could even you know know what was going on she chose life for him and even after he was born when people said that he should not be here she defended his chance i mean defended his existence and she continues to go around and she wrote a book about it and she speaks and and she has never said that this whole journey was easy because there's a lot of challenges facing Christian and her and her husband but it was life is always worth it and as the theme of the conference was love is louder and i think that's really that's really the case in this story as well as other ones
2: Is it isn't that sad that even and he's how old now? Uh he's about 8 years old he's eight years old and she is still having to defend having given birth to this boy. Well, because he's not normal, whatever normal means. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, what, what does normal mean? Um, the, what, what got us to that story was I was asking uh, if they had heard of baby Adam in India uh, during the break and, and, they, and Kim knew a lot more about that story than she did about baby Adam, I share this also. Um, Baby Adam was born with cleft lip and palate, no eyelids and fused legs. And they said those were just some of his more pronounced deformities. His birth parents vowed to kill him if the hospital forced them to take him home. So this was overheard by now Adam's adoptive parents who were just around the corner in another room um, his adoptive parents, Raja Palraj and Jessica Palraj, uh, loved and cared for him even though they were told that he wouldn't live long. More than four years later, Adam is enjoying life just like any other child, they say. Uh, he, since his adoption, he has become the big brother to two little brothers. He has had his palate surgery and had that corrected. Uh, he's become vocal and loves laughing, they say, and he has learned to hop on two legs and prefers that method of travel to crawling and even goes on hikes with his family in the mountains in Colorado. Beautiful. Why, I mean, why would anybody think that life isn't worth fighting for?
3: It's the, it, you, know, you really get back to who is it that gets to define uh, what is a normal life? And right now, the people who define normal life are people who eat at gourmet delis and they write for HuffPo (laughs) and they can't imagine a life where they would put someone else's life above their own, right? Um, Their life is a busy routine of I get up then and I eat there then and I wear this. And why would anybody want the inconvenience of a child, especially a special needs child? to encumber their own personal ambition. And so, you know, when you talk about kids like Christian and baby Adam, and and I always come back to two people, and one of them is everybody knows I have the biggest crush on this little girl, just like everybody else does, and that's Muffin Bear. We all know Muffin Bear, right? Oh, she's adorable. And Mm -hmm. who does not melt when they see the videos of Muffin Bear laughing her head off? and uh some people know this uh gee you know it uh kim knows it i had a brother who was uh, profoundly disabled his entire life he had a cro- chromosomal disorder uh, that he was born with and he never really advanced intellectually ab- beyond that of a baby but he grew he grew to be fairly big but he couldn't walk he couldn't talk he couldn't do all of the things that some people would would say is a normal life or an acceptable life like there's some minimum standard right if you don't have these certain functions then you don't meet what's considered an acceptable form of life and and i'm just here to tell you that within his own little world uh his life was fantastic he laughed at tv shows he laughed at me he laughed at his parents uh he cried when he was sad he laughed when he thought something was funny uh and you know, I wouldn't have traded his life for anything. And what my parents did was, as they said, uh, I'm putting this boy's life ahead of ours. And they did for the uh, entire almost 35 years that he was on the earth with us. Uh, they put it spent his entire life, their entire lives, making sure that he was as happy as he could possibly be within his little world. And so when people come to me and talk about uh, normal life, uh, minimum acceptable standards of life. Uh, clumps of cells. Uh, vegetables is one of the terms that drives oh. me absolutely bananas. Who uh, oh. who appointed you in that position? Who, who what council did you sit on? Was there a local board election? What was that? Where you got to be the one that said, okay, we're gonna put a list here, and it's gonna be a checklist, and one of them's gonna be vision, and one of them's gonna be hearing, and one of them's gonna be speech. And one of them is going to be a certain level of mental comprehension, uh, walking, uh, use of hands, possession of hands, possession of arms. We're going to make this checklist. And if you don't get a certain number of checks, then you, therefore, are uh, uh, selected for uh, elimination, which is really where um, abortion both got its founding, right, with Margaret Sanger, and mm-hmm. where it's sort of devolving to once again. And it's sad and it's awful all at the same time. And when I see these children, like Christian or Adam or Muffin Bear or anybody who looks different, because that's who we're supposed to ex- thats who we're supposed to accept, right? We're supposed to accept as the cold-hearted uh, conservative uh, Christian right, whatever label it is we ba- we bear this week. Our mission, our burden is to accept those who look differently from us, unless. They happen to be an inconvenience. And if that's the case, then they're to be done away with.
2: So sad. It really is. Um I don't I, I can't even fathom. I can't. Um, it it's important to note that we're not alone in this, Uh, you know, it's, it's not just here in our country either. Um, anybody that's not familiar with Lord Kevin Shinquin of the British house of Lords, uh, we won't go deep into his story, but you should look this man up. He is fighting in the UK to change their abortion laws, uh, because, and, and they're, they're on the more liberal side. They, they do allow legal abortions up to 24 weeks in the UK, but they do not have a time limit on abortion for pregnancies with fetal disability diagnosis. So again, you can, you can kill a baby in the womb up to the last day if they have some kind of disability diagnosed while they're in the womb. And he's fighting to change this. And the reason he's fighting to change this is because he suffers from a severe form of brittle bone disease. And he would have been diagnosed as one of those babies and been able to be killed. And this man's fight is incredible. And the fact that he puts himself through it where most of the country is of a liberal bias when it comes to b- abortion to begin with. So you know he's taking it from just everybody in the world. And here they, they're they picking on this poor man because he looks different because of brittle bone disease, as you were alluding to there, Nick.
4: And I think the, yeah, and so, one of the biggest you know, issue here's the with-
2: risk that you've run
3: when you start having lists. When you say, okay, um, Congress, Parliament, whatever the case, you governing body as you may be, what you have then is you have people who are then in charge of a list. And that list says, here are the conditions that become eligible for abortion right up until the last day. How easy is it to add to that list? How easy is it to subtract to that list? Does it require a pass a vote in Parliament? Does it require a, a a vote in a Congress, in a State House? Or does an unelected bureaucrat get to say, you know what, um, our three-member Blue Ribbon Panel has decided that um, this child has the markers for type 1 diabetes. And we really need to eradicate that, so this is for the greater good. Let's go ahead and add that to the list. I'm sorry, Kim, go ahead.
4: Oh, no, you're fine. Um... No, I think the issue with a big issue, if not the biggest issue with um, people looking at children that have prenatal diagnoses that are either life impacting or going to be fatal not long after they're born is not, it doesn't have so much to do with the child itself, but it has to do with our discomfort because those viewing the child, whether they live for a long time or briefly, um, we don't want to it's like we don't want to be around someone who's quote different we can't handle the difference we can't handle seeing someone um, who looks different who might have to do things a little bit slower who needs some more help Um, it's so it's not so much about the fact that we don't I mean that they exist so much as we are we're not comfortable with their existence and that we are inconvenienced by their existence, which is not at all any reason to end their life because of our discomfort. I mean, I've heard people say that parenthood is a journey out of selfishness. Well, as fellow human beings on this planet, if we see someone else who's disabled, maybe that's a good chance for us to step out of our selfishness and our discomfort and realize that their life is just as important as ours and it shouldn't end or it shouldn't be cast aside just because they put us in a place to where we might have to step out of our comfort zone even briefly or for a long span of time. Uh, And one one of the things Lacey was talking about was that children who are disabled, they are some of the greatest gifts to fellow human beings on the planet because they teach us so much about how we need to change and grow And she talked about how much she has changed and how much more compassion she has, not just because, you know, she has to take care of a child and help him through all these issues, but she has so much more compassion for other people she sees around them. And I can't think of anything better than injecting our world with a huge dose of compassion by nurturing these children and helping these women who are facing these diagnoses, whether they keep the child or give the child up for adoption, there's nothing better than growing more compassion because it'll just continue to grow and spread. But instead we're saying we're uncomfortable with the existence of another who doesn't look like us and therefore that child should die. And that's, that's the height of selfishness.
2: Indeed. And you know, I, I have a sister uh, who, who Mm. bless her soul. She's, uh, she's not had the best luck with uh, mates in her life. Uh, she does have a son who was born with severe cerebral palsy. He is wheelchair bound. Uh, he will require care for the rest of his life. He, he will never be able to function on his own. But he, he understands things. He, he understands when uncle G walks into the room, he knows my voice. He doesn't even have to know. He doesn't have to see me. I can just say something and his face lights up. <clears throat> and, uh, you, you can't tell me that there's no quality in that life. It, that, that won't wash. No,
3: and there's no question. There's absolutely no question as someone who grew up around a person like that, that there is quality. It's different, it's different than the perception you or I or Kim have of qualities. You or I or Kim might think a weekend in Palm Beach in a five-star hotel on the beach is quality, and it is quality, but to a child with cerebral palsy, to a child with Down syndrome, to a child with autism, that standard for quality changes it doesn't move the scale right if that makes any sense. they still experience quality on a scale of zero to ten. Their scale's just at a different place than ours is right so to and to go back just a moment to to Kim's point about the discomfort it's exactly right. People do that. people support abortion they support they turn a blind eye to it because they think i can't imagine." having to care for a child like that. And the parents that I know of children with disabilities of all kinds say the same thing. I can't imagine a life without caring for this child.
2: I have friends with a trisomy baby. Um, They were told she wouldn't make it past six or eight years old. Uh, if, If folks aren't familiar with trisomy, please look it up. It's too much to go into, but, um, she's, she, uh, my, my little Katie bug, my, my little Katie bear is about to become a teenager, but, but she won't make it to six or eight.
3: Mm, evidently the science wasn't settled. Was it?
2: Apparently, <laughs> apparently. But, uh, you know, the things, things to think about, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks, uh, that are part of the pro abort crowd are the same people that show up at special Olympics. And and I know this because I work for an entity that deals with both. So, um, but you know, these, these, these pro aborts, they're, they're all about, you know, wanting to get rid of, humans with disabilities while they're still in the womb but how you know how would they be able to toot their own horns at a special olympics for being a volunteer if there were no special olympians Mm -hmm. right you know it's i think it's kind of hypocritical that the essential qualification for competing in the special olympics which would be you know possessing a disability of some kind uh that these these people will applaud these disabled athletes, but if their parent wanted to kill them, uh, in the womb, that's, that's all fine and good. Isn't that kind of hypocritical or am I just looking too far into it?
3: Oh, I think it's a suasion of guilt. If you want to ask, I mean, if you want me to be honest, uh, love to know what Kim thinks, but I think, uh, uh, If you are the type that uh, has the uh, I support uh, Planned Parenthood bumper sticker on your car um, or you have or you're a donor or you are one of the few who will openly admit to knowing full well what an abortion is and does and still supports them, then I think there's a big part of you, whether you'll admit it or not, that wears that guilt with you everywhere you go because you know what it is and what it does. You might try to push it out of your mind, but you know where abortion came from. You know where Planned Parenthood came from. You know what its initial goal was and is. And so do you, go to the, do you go to Special Olympics and volunteer so that you can tell people, yeah, but look at what I do. And so that makes me immune from attack on my views on abortion because look at the thing that I do for people with disabilities. Kim, thoughts?
4: Um, I, I think you're exactly right, G, and I, uh, you know, agree with Nick wholeheartedly by what he said. And it reminds me a lot of, as we are all aware of, the Charlie Gard situation. Oh. Um, and he was born, you know, with a, I believe a mitochondrial DNA depletion syndrome. I, I'm not, you know, sure what the exact name is, but it's it's something like that. And obviously, we all know that he. Is still in the hospital in the UK and they're trying to get him out of there so he can have experimental treatment in the US. But if he was still in the womb, people who are fighting for his chance to live right now would be cheering his demise solely because of the fact that he has not been born yet. And I think obviously I'm glad that so many people across the board, no matter what political persuasion, are fighting hard and speaking out for Charlie Gard's existence. But the fact that roughly, what, half of them would be silent had he still you know, been in the womb right now? That says yeah. so much about where the, the pro-abort movement is because they'll fight for those who are a minute outside of the womb, but if they're inside then well hey, it's connected to the woman and it has every right to die because you know it's the woman's body, when essentially it's not. The woman, I think, has the privilege of carrying the child and it's a separate life. It has it just is. as much of a chance, I mean, it should just have much, as much of a chance to live as the woman. Um, and, and the Charlie Gard case is a perfect example of the hypocrisy that is just floating on the surface in the pro board movement right now.
2: I couldn't agree more. Um guys, I I honestly wish that uh we had another hour, but <laughs> we we have all but used it up. <laughs> um come on, don't you run things down there? Can't you give us a bump uh, no, I don't I don't. Unfortunately, that's uh that's the boss behind the scenes and there are shows coming behind me. I'm sorry. Uh, i i say we do this again um but you know uh, that's just my opinion um guys um real quick real real quick as we wind it down here uh let's let's go to kim first kim tell everybody where they can find you and your fabulous writing uh on social media and uh how they would get in touch with you if they have any questions
4: uh sure you can find me on twitter at southern keeks k-e-k-s And I am a senior contributor at redstate.com. And I also write throughout the month at
2: rare.us. And Nick, how do we find you, sir?
3: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at patriot underscore musket. Uh, You can also find some of my significantly less uh, eloquent writing than Kim's at uh, misfitpolitics.com or on Twitter at misfitpolitics.
2: Ooh, they, they just published a, uh, not so eloquent piece of mine as well. Uh, as a guest contributor, I'm not a fully fledged misfit. I'm just a guest misfit. Gee, um, that
4: was a great piece. That's a lie.
2: It was a great piece. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, guys, thank you so much for being here tonight. I, I truly enjoyed this. I want to do this again. I want to do this more often. Um, uh, you know, I, I just can't say enough about why life is worth fighting for. And I am so blessed to have friends like you to, to be able to sit down and talk about this with and put this out there for public consumption uh, in a way that's fruitful without pointing fingers and, and poking people in the eyes. Um, guys, let's, let's continue to have those good, compassionate but uh, impassioned discussions as we move forward on this topic and uh if i can get you both to hang on just for a quick minute while i sign us off Uh, folks it has been a pleasure being here with you again uh if you like the show tell your friends if your friends like the show you likely need new ones but they and you are welcome here with me every week on the conservative curmudgeon show Stay tuned for Jesse's POV, followed by The Right Side with Dan Wright, and then America Off the Rails with Rowdy Rick. Thank you, and God bless.